While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. In 1858, a fellow named William Kay wrote up the details of today's true crime story in a short book called The Full and Complete Confession of Radford J. Crockett of the Murder of Samuel Landrum. That book is currently in the Atlanta History Center, where I hope to read it someday, but right now, due to traffic and gas prices, I'm working mainly from an article in the Georgia Historical Quarterly. Today, we delve into the murky world of organized crime in the 1800s and Atlanta's first public hanging. This is a Moving Through Georgia Extra, The Confession of Radford J. Crockett. Crockett's problems began, and this may sound familiar, when he fell in love. His family, or at least his parents and five sisters, were planning to move from DeKalb County to Harrelson County near the Alabama state line. Rather than move, Crockett stole some money from the family and moved to Atlanta. Eventually, he rejoined his family and for a time lived with them in Alabama, but love was not to be denied, so he returned to DeKalb to marry somebody else. He was married in 1856 and became a father to his son in 1857. However, this was not the start of a peaceful domestic life. Crockett began drinking, philandering, and gambling despite pleas from his wife and family to change his ways. He left his home behind and traveled between Florida, Alabama, and Georgia drinking and gambling. Until then, he had lived on the outskirts of the law, but upon returning to Atlanta, he fell in with a more organized gang whose main occupation was gambling, thieving, robbing people in the streets at night, house burning, or any other species of violence which might be necessary. Much of their activity centered around Decatur Street in Atlanta, and it was there that Crockett got drawn into events ending with his hanging. April 8, 1858, Crockett met with his pals John Cobb and Gabriel Jones and set off to find a good time. Walking down the street, they noticed Samuel Landrum in a small, mule-driven wagon. They followed the wagon and even helped Landrum loosen his mule's harnesses so they could have a drink at the river. It was later in the day and possibly after a lot of whiskey that the men decided to rob Landrum. Apparently, they had spent some time together and had gotten to know each other because at this point, Crockett and Landrum were walking while the other two rode in the wagon. Suddenly, they struck. Crockett knocked Landrum down with two hits from a sack containing some sort of heavy-weighted object, and the other two hit him with a board and a rock. They dragged the nearly dead man into the woods and hid everything. Their take for this robbery and near murder was 55 cents and a bottle of whiskey. The group separated for a while, but later joined up again and spent the rest of the day and the evening together, mostly drinking and gambling. Meanwhile, their victim was found. His head was found to have been fractured multiple times from the assault and Landrum couldn't speak. He would last four more days before dying on April 12th. Some witnesses identified the men last seen with Landrum, and as people went in search of them, the criminals decided to leave town for a while. 
Crockett informed some family members in Atlanta that he was involved in a robbery and a murder. Then he stole a horse and went on the land. He meant to hide in Texas, but on April 20th, he was captured in Alabama and brought back to Atlanta. Everybody loves a true crime story, and Crockett made the most of his newfound fame while he was in jail. He confessed his guilt and relayed the details to William Kay, who published the pamphlet I talked about at the top of the episode. He was baptized into the Methodist Church and spoken about by several prominent clergymen. In court, he stated that he would not add lying to his offenses, and he pled guilty. A jury trial was therefore not necessary, so the judge sentenced him to death by hanging. On June 18th, 20-year-old Radford Crockett was hanged. It wasn't so easy for the other two, who were arrested in DeKalb County just before Crockett was arrested. Any hopes to avoid the charges fell apart when Crockett wrote them a letter urging them to repent and admit their guilt in the hope that they might meet again in heaven. Cobb pled not guilty and proclaimed his innocence until his hanging just about a year after Crockett's. Gabriel Jones admitted guilt right away in exchange for a life sentence in jail. When Sherman's men came to Atlanta, Jones and others were offered a parole if they would go to fight for the Confederacy. Jones put on the gray uniform, left the jail, and immediately deserted. Supposedly, he lived the remainder of his life under a false name in some northern state. Well, that's our true crime story for today. Just a reminder, Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast mostly focusing on Northeast Georgia. Any questions, comments, or complaints, I'd love to hear from you at movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. Spalding County doesn't exactly qualify as Northeast Georgia, but what the heck, that's where John Henry was born in 1851. His father had served in the Civil War and John attended school in Pike County and in Valdosta, later leaving the state to study dentistry in Pennsylvania. When he opened his first practice in Atlanta, he acquired his nickname, John Henry Doc Holliday. A case of tuberculosis drove him out west to Dallas, Texas, where he practiced dentistry by day and played cards at night. A fight with some other card players caused him to leave the state, so he traveled around for a while, eventually settling in Dodge City, Kansas, where he met his lifelong friend Wyatt Earp. The two traveled to Tombstone, Arizona, and in 1881, Holiday was suspected of participating in a stagecoach robbery. One of the robbers made a deal with Earp. He would provide the names of the rest of the gang in exchange for the reward money. Earp wanted to clear his friend Holiday, so he agreed. I know none of this is taking place in Georgia, but let's finish the story with the gunfight at the OK Corral. The man who planned to betray his gang was afraid that Holiday and the Earp brothers would reveal their secret deal, and the shootout resulted in three dead and two wounded men. There's a lot more to the story if you want to look it up, but Doc Holliday, Georgia native, died in Colorado of tuberculosis in 1887. He was 36 years old. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right and left walk on your heel and toe. From an a deputy gal to Georgia, that's all.